Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer will ruin your family. Ouch. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon book of the month, and this one is The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. And starting with a beer. Anyone want to? I'll start with I'll a beer. I'll start with a beer. Oh, I have go two. for it, Nate. You go for it. Let's all start with a beer. Fuck yeah, it's kind of the Fuck theme. It. This you book know is what? about drinking. It, it's, this book is about family. Dysfunctional alcoholic father. So, my beer. This is a this is a good one. This is from uh, Treehouse Brewing, and it's called Eight because at least at one point in the book, the main character is eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. fight me. <laughs> it's their eighth anniversary happens. IPA. It's a double IPA. That's eight point six percent alcohol, and it's. A really nice double IPA. Very good. Not doesn't live up to the hype that Treehouse has, honestly. But I don't think anything actually could live up to the hype that Treehouse has. So it's really quite good. You know, I have to admit, I did look at the list of beers. And I saw that beer and I thought of the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And my beer connection is almost as bad as that. This is called, this is from Other Half. This is called Southern Hopalistic. Because at one point, they lived in the South. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then and to, to hop, say, town, hop out of town often. They? <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they live in West Virginia. That's like, yeah. That's literally the Mason-Dixon. Yeah, you know what? I think it counts. But didn't they also <laughs> live in, was it Arizona or New Mexico? That's the south part of the country. Yeah, south enough. Southwest. The All right, this is, a, south. this is a double dry hopped Indy Pale Ale, 7.4% by uh, other half. And in this book, say, you see how the other half lives. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you kind of do. Not well. Which Things haven't changed, to, uh... Jacob Reese. <laughs> you failed. How is it? Is it lovely? Oh, it's good. It's very nice. This is my last one. <laughs> well, uh, mine is of a similar vein. Not really. Uh, this is from Big Alice Brewing, and it's called Behold True Sorrow. <laughs> I think you can guess why. It's a Schwarzbier. Oh, they have a different alcohol. word for them in this book. Yes, they do. They do. Yes, they do. They have their own section of town. Schwarz is uh, Yiddish for black. It's German also. Well, also German, but like where I live in Queens. So this is a Schwarz beer, which I guess is like a style. It's a black lager. It's like a lager. black lager, yeah. Uh, it tastes exactly like that. African-American lager. Yes. I, I don't, if you've ever had one or have heard of one, you can guess what this tastes like. They tend to be on the light side. How long? How strong was that? They're like five or six five percent. percent. Yeah, they're yeah. light. They're kind of watery because they're lagers. It is. As it is. Yeah. They it's might. Not bad. They might have a little of that burnt coffee flavor to it. Yeah, it's it's got, it's definitely a, exactly as you described it. I, I don't know how much variation is allowed within the style. But German styles tend to be way more delicate rigorous, because. Yeah. Of the Reinheitsgebot, or the fucking unpronounceable collection of phonemes is, the German beer purity law. I heard law. 11 umlauts on that word. Yeah, they, they, you can't, you know, be, German beer is only made with water, yeast, barley, and hops. So all the beers that we've ever liked would not fly there. <laughs> and they well, tend the Germans to, are generally a very accepting people of differences. and It's accept, like, we oh, like yeah. everybody accept those people. <laughs> All right, so The Glass Castle is a was really popular fucking book, sold like 3 million copies or some ridiculous shit. Uh, published in 2005 by Jeanette Walls, it's a memoir about growing up in the worst family that's ever existed, at least since <laughs> the Manson family. <laughs> like it's 
out. It's there. It was kind of contemporary. Contemporary with that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So I had to look up. I, I didn't do any research into the book before I read it, and I was like, this feels old. Some of it, like some of the shit that happens, like this couldn't happen in recent history, and it no. takes place largely in like 1968 to the early 70s. Yeah, you know? and uh, they are comically poor. It's like. I'm surprised. Comically that, strange. Oh, and just, I mean, it's an insult to dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised at one point the dad wasn't wearing a barrel. Like, that's how <laughs> poor they are. It really just felt like American Angela's Ashes is what I got. It was 100%. It, I actually have a physical copy of the book. Oh, you fancy boy. There was I a, read the audiobook. Okay, it literally says <laughs> that's a verb. Walls has joined the company of writers such as Mary Carr and Frank McCourt to have been able to transform their sad memories into fine art. So who the fuck is Mary Carr? I don't no know what her name. Uh, is that K- Henry Ford's daughter? <laughs> is that K A R R? It is. She wrote a book called The Liars Club, which is about oh. her shitty childhood in the 1960s Texas. I'm sure that was a great, great story that I'm glad I won't have to read. I mean, this is this is a whole genre. This whole thing of like memoirs of growing Destitution. up. Destitution. Poverty porn. That's what yeah. it really is. You know, just Kinda. look look at how terrible it is. And I have to say reading it, I was like, man, like everyone, my brother and I, we will talk and be like, remember this weird thing about growing up? I'm like, my parents were fucking not not cool. That was not okay, whatever that was. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, they were like the fucking Cleavers slash Martin Luther King Jr. compared to these parents. Like, man, did these people do a terrible job. So it made me feel yeah. great about my dysfunctional childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it was, a uh, yeah, yeah. So... A lot of stuff happens. <laughs> Essentially, literally Oops. a million I'm things happen. Already forgetting what in the beginning. Okay, so it opens basically, up on her at three making hot dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And then getting set on fire. Just a light. Because she's fire. a three-year-old trying to cook. So, like, you can guess how that well that goes. Mom was making art. She was too busy. Yeah. So get back starts to off with extensive later. skin grafts in chapter one, <laughs> and it just really goes downhill from there. Because at least she had all her skin. Yep. <laughs> and then... <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And then uh, it talks about some of the other siblings. Then you hear a little about the father, uh, father and mother. So the father is a horrible alcoholic, but he is what sounds like a pretty brilliant guy, or at least kept talking about reading these books on math and quantum physics he and stuff like that. did seem to be like some that. sort of an electrical engineering genius he's a autodidact um you know did he really is is he is he really like you know understand those books on quantum physics and and you know advanced calculus i mean we don't know it doesn't say but at least the author seems to think so well he he comes off as like poe atticus finch like in many instances (laughs) you know he's just he has he has like wise words to say about things and like life lessons but but he's illiterate. You know, he's not really illiterate, but he's just like real. Like, there's a line about the middle of the book where they're like, oh shit, we out oakied the okies. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> yeah. how terribly poor they are. And he, he's always, he, I, get, I got the sense that he was a smart dude who thought he was like a hundred times smarter than he was. 
that he thought he was some misunderstood genius who just needed like the right seed money to make his machinations come to come true, come through. And uh, he was just a big bullshit artist most of the time. Yeah, I, th- I think it was definitely partly that. I think he, I think he actually was far smarter than you know someone in a situation usually is. But he, I think you know probably the drinking and the just kind of being a weird like anti everything about the world guy got in the way of that like his inability yeah. to just function as even a borderline member of society and he openly disdains everything about it he's like i've got to be out in the woods shitting in a bucket which they do a lot of mm-hmm. or like living in a car for years at a time and it's, yet the story of how he met rosemary who rose the mother mary yeah it's it's two words it's very strange so you know she's classy uh <laughs> Her and her brother, and, Oregano. <laughs> Oreg. Oreg. Oh, no. Eno. Always get mis- mispronounced. And dill. <laughs> Pickles. And but the story was like, the, the story was like, you know, I was just out of a, no, they were young? Uh, yeah, like, okay, out of the Air young. Force or something, right? Yeah, but they were there like in the early to mid-20s. And it's like, I saw her and I knew... I knew I was going to marry her. I knew she had to be mine. And like said it right away. Oh, you're going to marry me. She had lipstick on or something, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. She only wore lipstick. Somehow. No clothes. (laughs) Nope. That's why he's like, I'm going to marry her. And then she's also quite dysfunctional in her own way. Oh, yeah. Um, They're like snowflakes of dysfunction. You know, just (laughs) uniquely awful. And they somehow found each other. And somehow, it's like a shit well, gravitational pull. You know, I just was, I just was, was listening to uh, our episode on you know, Silence of the Lambs right now. I was like, man, this Body would be control. a good time for a, for another reappearance of the of the beer dream team. Those <laughs> two. <laughs> so they end up together. Let's go through the the gist of the plot quickly, and then we could like analyze yeah. the characters because if we we get we'll get hung up on them. So basically, the first uh, half of the book or so is them going from a, like one location to another where the dad will get a job for a little while and he is a com- uh, he, he just like fabricates a job history credentials just lies and then since it's the 1960s they're like that's cool what <laughs> you're an electrician and you're licensed and you have a doctorate okay oh you left the phd certificate somewhere else that's fine so he just keeps getting hired to do jobs and then he'll be good for a little while and they settle in somewhere, and and the kids describe it as if they're settling in somewhere nice because it's not their car or it's not like a shack, but it's evident that it's really pretty terrible and you know depressing. And like the kids don't have shoes, and they they, oh, they literally do not I have, have shoes. beer for that. <laughs> I have a beer also. This Let's is drink called them together. This is called high top because I bet they would have liked some high top shoes. <laughs> yeah, this is my worst episode they, ever. <laughs> sometimes they actually talk about like how much they hate having to wear shoes when they're young because they're so used to not having them. Uh, they felt they they were like the they were uh, it was like a whole family of the girl from where the crawdads sing. Yes, except they could read. They, they weren't just uh, swamp Nell. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is High Top from Finback Brewing, and I just I didn't want this to go bad in the fridge, so I was like, I'll find any reason to drink this today. This is a double dry hopped IPA with mosaic, El Dorado, and Mandarina hops, which I've never heard of before. And it's 7% alcohol because it's only a single IPA, and it is fucking great. A lot of citrus flavors. Excellent IPA. You well, got a beer, Jimmy. I think this one's brought by our patrons. We have to shout out after this. All right. So get the well, list ready. Thanks, Nate. patrons, for this one because this is for the kids when they're going to a new place and it just, even though it sucks balls, it feels like home. <laughs> this is feels like home from Artifact, which is what the fuck is it? Uh, Artifact Cider Project from Massachusetts. The can has a weird texture to it, like it looks like flannel, looks like a but it doesn't feel like flannel. But uh, <laughs> that would be a strange made with real flannel. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 cider, you know, because that's what they do. And there's also a part later on when they're in Phoenix where the uh, creepy homeless guys want to get in cider. Yeah, because they refuse to lock the doors because holy shit, they, that was because they don't have air conditioning. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, this is pretty good. It's cider. Uh, it tastes like it tastes like cider, and. Is it, like is it I don't a know to do with lumberjack or Scottish-themed cider? <laughs> Why does it have that flannel print on it? Fuck if I know. Maybe because you have like a flannel blanket at home, which these kids probably had one blanket between all of them. Uh, uh, when they get to the Welch, that is what they have. 5.4%. So it's basically juice. I dig it. We should say that these beers are brought to us in part by our friends over at Patreon. If you go over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub, you could become a patron of the show, too, and you could support us by giving us real money in exchange for almost real things, like getting to vote in our monthly book poll and getting shouted out on the show. And this is the episode where we're going to do that. Nate, do you want to shout out those fine people? Okay, so here is, uh, I'd like to thank Tyler, Grace, Catherine, yep, Colton, <laughs> Stephen, Nick, Dustin, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, Emotional Support Burrito, CL, and East Infection. <laughs> what? East? East Infection. <laughs> <laughs> Very generous $10 patron. Very classy name. <laughs> oh, thanks, Easton. Uh, <laughs> so you can become part of that illustrious crew. Yep. <laughs> you could also uh, get access to our episodes two full weeks earlier than the Hoi Polloi, uh, like every character in this book is. And you could get experience our read along. Yeah, we're part of happening. our current read along of Don Quixote and other exclusive content that you get only there. So head on over there if you're interested in doing it. If not, that's cool too. Just give us a review somewhere and we'll. It'd be cooler it, if you did. It would be cooler if you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Easton. To so, quote uh, the immortal Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Is that his, is that his Hebrew name? It's his chosen McConaughey. <laughs> Matthew is a very good old name. Okay, so, um, all right, so, so let's talk about the movie later. Let's, let's get through yeah, this stupid but plot. I, before, I, don't, I, don't never, I never saw the movie, but I just know that they cast Woody Harrelson as a dad, so I couldn't not picture the dad as Woody Harrelson. I oh, that's, that's pretty accurate casting. for a fucking it's, it's dirty right homeless man. Right on. So, uh, at one so they kind of move around. At one place, there's a a boy that's really interested in Jeanette. And what is she like? Eight at this point? She is eight. I think she's eight. That's why I had this beer, motherfuckers. <laughs> so okay. that's that's when they get to 
was like Battle Mountain or something stupid like that. Battle Hill. What the hell? Battle is? Mountain, Nevada. Battle Mountain, which sounds like a a Japanese Q-Zar. game show. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I, don't know other, I don't know other places have Qzar, but it's laser tag. Oh, Qzar, man! I remember doing that in 1998. Um, so that was pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> it, late. it just it just got to Queens. So. Uh, <laughs> They end up in Battle Mountain. That's like the biggest chunk of... Well, there's two big places. Battle Mountain and there's Phoenix. Battle Mountain, they end up there. I don't even know where they were before then, honestly. They were trekking around like the desert towns of California. And like in a place like for like a true month. true Okies. And, yeah, so, they're so just the pa- wandering. The pattern is this. Their parents find some sort of place where people are too trusting and dumb. And they give them a chance. Or desperate. And then, well, they give them a job, and they let them rent a place, and then they fucking abuse that. They don't pay rent. They they just and they just skip town. That's that's and the father event ultimately loses his job because he's a raging alcoholic. And they end up in Battle Mountain, Nevada, which was like voted America's ugliest town or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they stay in this mine is old, forlorn mining town from you know, a century before that's just clinging on like Terry Schiavo to life. And <laughs> that's a topical reference. So and forced. The, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they have to force feed the property taxes into Something it. Something that never so, happens in this book. And they hang out there. And that's where the dad has a job for a little while. And they're in what sounds like kind of a cool house. Like in 1968, it was uh, probably a shitty house. But nowadays, hipsters would love it. They're living in the old train depot or something like that that's mm. been converted into a house. And by converted, they mean they just took the sign off that says train depot. And mm. just, the train still goes right there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. Quite but loud. If, if you watch you know, like a Weird House Hunters kind of shows, you'll see episodes every once in a while where they end up in like, this used to be a bank. And that's cool. It has character. So they live in this shithole. And it just, it's, it's just, just, just depressing as all hell. And then they meet the guy Nate's talking about. His name was Billy, I want to say, who was like eleven or twelve, and he he reminded me of um, the bully from It. Um, yeah, the, ki- kind the of. kid who uh, Henry Bowers, the kid whose life is no. just no rules. Yeah, Henry, and he he is a big crush on Jeanette. Which also say Jeanette has three siblings. She has an older sister, Lori, Lori, who's I don't know five years older or something. Then there's Brian who's about her age, a year younger or so, and then there's like a toddler. He's a few years younger than her. So there's a whole bunch of... Yeah. A whole mess of kids who are never supervised. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And they're even better supervised than Billy, or whatever the fuck his name is. Billy's dad, like, when she goes to Billy's house, so Billy at one point is like, come check out my house, I want to show you something funny. And reading this, I was like, oh God, this is not going to be good. Uh, This is is not going to end well. And he's been saying, like, you're going to be my girlfriend. And if you're not my girlfriend, you'll regret it. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is this is going to get really dark. And he goes into her his house and she's like, his house was disgust. It was like worse than ours by a margin. And he just shows her his dad is so, so drunk, so passed out from drinking that he's pissed himself and his dick is hanging out of his pants. <laughs> And he's just laying there on the mattress on the floor. And that's all that's in their shack of a house. There's just two mattresses and a light bulb hanging from the ceiling and filth. And the guy's just pissed himself and his cock is out. And he's like, look how funny that is. Ha ha. And uh, it's like, Jesus, 
holy Christ, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Even she thinks, wow, this is fucked up. And she has gone through just in every every page, just like, fuck me. What is this? I liked when they, what was it? They, like Every time they leave town, they have to get rid of all their stray animals. So her dad will just throw a, throw the cat out the car window. Oh, while yeah, they that's, drive. Like, that's right before they get to Battle Mountain. Yeah. She'll get, be like, happier <laughs> as a free cat. But there was also the, when they, <laughs> they had tell kittens, the crying children. And he like said, we got too many cats. So we put them in a burlap bag and threw them in a pond. Yeah. He's bad. <laughs> and even, though, this is her childhood. And she's like, so, wow, this Billy guy sucks. Yeah, he sucks. At, at uh, later, like uh, probably weeks or months later, however long they're there, he like they're playing hide and seek, and he forces her to touch his penis, and he uh, kisses her, and, and kisses her, and out. she's like, "Ew, no, go away!" And that works. She has to like fight him off, basically, and then he gets mad and then goes to their house with a gun. A BB. Only gun. the children are home, and the only like so, but the kids know how to use guns and have a real gun at home. And so he's, he, he has like a BB gun that he like literally breaks through the window with the back of the back of the BB gun rifle thing. I'm like, shoots Jeanette. And then the older sister literally takes out the real gun or, and, or like gives it to Jeanette's the best shot. Jeanette. Jeanette. And then Jeanette like starts shooting at him. And so he runs away. He gets like halfway up the road and she takes another couple of shots at him. The police come a little bit later. The parents were not home at this time. So the police come and then the parents realize, oh, they're going to come take the kids away. So they leave in the middle of the night. And it's like, okay, everybody, you can take one thing. And this is like the get third the car time in the book at this point. That this is not happened. even the first time this happened. <laughs> It's like, oh my god! And then they, this is and also then they where go she finds to, her dad banging prostitutes. Oh yeah, that w- was like the the green the hill, green lantern, the green lantern. Yeah, it's like, do you know what happens at the green lantern? Yeah. There are some ladies there that are nice to men. <laughs> That's what they say. And uh, and at one point, the dad takes the son, and he it's like the son's birthday or something. He buys him a comic book. And then he's like, oh, we got to make a stop. And then he goes there and he... I wonder what superhero it was. <laughs> Could it have been the Green Lantern? <laughs> That'd be super meta. <laughs> but actually, they were at a... A, fisting. a Nevada, a 1968 Nevada whorehouse. So it was more like the Green Discharge. <laughs> but they take... He takes him into the, the, the waiting room. And then he goes and bangs the whore, and the kid just reads the same comic book three times because, you know, dad's got stamina. And then comes out, and then the lady's like, oh, what are you reading? And then she can't even read the words of the comic book. Like, like the seven-year-old has to sound them out for her. And then the dad gives the comic book to the whore. And he's like, that was my fucking present, man. <laughs> you got everything in that deal. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should also mention we haven't yet that the kids are all very smart. They're That's all a... weirdly super intelligent. Like you know, they're all re- like reading well above their age level by far. And they're like, she does her homework in binary because her dad says math is too easy. And teacher's like, this is bullshit. I don't know what these are. These are commie numbers or something. Makes her redo it. But the kids are all fucking smart. 
like weird little savants. Well, throughout you know, the whole the, book, yeah, the father the father taught Jeanette how to do do the math problems in binary, just just to make it harder because she can and she's smart enough. And she accidentally turned it in in binary once, and the teacher was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and it's like that's and gave her like a zero or whatever because it's like that's not the assignment. Well, the, this is a this is a trope of a lot of these kind of stories that the neglected kids mature faster, which is a real thing that happens. So, like kids, well, because the ones that don't mature don't write books about it. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, but, he, but like <laughs> kids, kids, if you force children to, they will mature in many ways. They will not mature in a good way, not they emotionally, will, but they will. Fit. They can be more responsible than they're usually asked to be, but it's not good for them. Yeah, their emotional development is fucked, but they will. Sur- they, they'll survive because that's what we're fucking, br- you know, born to do. Um, they spend a lot of the book like telling their parents, like, you need to do this. You need to get your shit together. It's like telling, like, the mom doesn't work because she's an artist and she just has to paint. But she has a teaching degree and several times she, f- like, relents and goes to get a job and then suddenly they have food and they don't have to shit in a bucket. But she just acts like it's the worst thing in the world. She, like, sulks like a child, but she, or she also steals whatever food they have often. Like she'll eat the margarine. Or no, that was the, Jeanette eats the margarine in the fridge because it's all they have. And the mom's like, I was going to make bread. Was like, like, we don't have anything to make bread. other ingredients. Bread. <laughs> like, well, if we, we make it, then I'll just have to eat it plain. Like we're not going to make it. And so she says, you know, she, 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 the mother is a big, uh, suffering fetishist. Whereas, like, suffering makes things better. Like, you know, it's what makes life beautiful. Also, the mom is a shitty artist. Not just because she never makes it as an artist. But at one point, the school in Phoenix says the oldest daughter needs glasses. And, like, we'll pay for the glasses. Go get glasses. Hmm. And then the mom puts them on, and she looks at her own paintings. And she's like, oh, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Whoa, okay. And then she takes them off and they're like, Were those how do they help? She's like, Didn't it make you see better? She's like, I saw differently. Which is <laughs> she said like they'd always wanted her to wear glasses since she was young, but she said, you know, if you have weak eyes, you just have to keep like working at it and Yeah, it's like stronger. a muscle. Like, That's do eye curls. How it works. Just reps. Do more reps. Fuck it. Ridiculous. Eye reps. But some of the story the stories of her mom trying to be a teacher were actually pretty funny because <laughs> she was that a, her class was just complete mayhem but the kids that, somehow did better well I, I, they, who knows who was teaching them before that but then they, the principal tried to make her where, write yeah. lesson plans which did not go well and ended up like beating a kid and the kid was just like you know she had to take it out on somebody because the principal was watching uh it her was own her kid. own kid <laughs> She didn't, want, she didn't want, and she didn't want the. She didn't want the other kids to be mad at her. She's like, "They're my kids. They can't. They have to fucking deal with this." <laughs> she beat her own child to appear in strong. Front of the class. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, oh my god! By so, jailhouse okay. rules, Jimmy, that's like if you rape yourself in jail. <laughs> that's how I prove how strong I am. I'm gonna shiv myself and fuck the hole. That's what she did. But then, but Jeanette is super sympathetic to the mom in that passage and is like, oh, but her kids loved her class. Like, yeah, because they were, it was fucking bedlam. And 
it was it was Lord of the Flies in a classroom, and then and yet like nine year old Jeanette is like literally helping to do the grading, grading the other kids' homework, but not the essays. Because her mom won't. <laughs> yeah, her, yeah, but not the essays because because she just put a check at the top of those. <laughs> okay, so they leave town because which we're talking about sl- leaving battle. Sl- yeah, they leave child yeah. gunfight and they have to go. I thought, okay, kawow. <laughs> And they end up going to her Phoenix, uh, the, the the grandmother, the mo- the maternal grandmother's house. Maternal grandmother's who house. it turns the out, oh, she's mother. been dead for six months. And the mom was like, I didn't want to go there because you know, live on Doesn't the grid. Later? No, that's what happens next. They go to Phoenix, where the oh, mom like flashbacks when they get there, and she's like, they they always yeah, you end up learn, fighting. You learn about the grandmother a little bit earlier that the grandmother was constant, like, come live with me, and you need, aren't taking care of your children, and you're a degenerate, and I have some money. And the mom was like, no, I need to create. And my husband needs to go get shit-faced and talk about his cyanide gold extraction technique, which was a real thing in the book, which I don't fucking know if that's a real thing and would work. I don't think it is, yeah. because he never fucking did anything with it. Uh, and they find out, they, they're like, oh, we're so desperate. We have nowhere to go. We have like 11 cents. We'll go to grandma's house. But she died, so we'll just get to live in the house we inherited. And they go to Phoenix and take this big house. It was like four. And it's a nice house. It was, it was 14 it was rooms. It adobe. It had like walls. It had photoshops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was made of PDFs. <laughs> it was just PDFs. <laughs> it was a digital house. And they live there, and then... The mom talks them into going into the better school, not even the shitty local school or like they had to. They were like local Catholic schools. She gets them into the nicer school. They get put into the gifted program because they're so smart. And then her parent and her dad gets a job as an electrician in the union and uh, is making actual money. And the mom opens her, but he's trying to infiltrate the. He's union always investigating. The mob. He, he, he's in the union. He gets into the electric oh, union in Phoenix right away, and he gets a job. He loses it, and then yeah. he's like, he, and he, he uses the investigation mother. as like an, an excuse whenever he loses a job. He's like, oh, it's because the mob found out I was investigating all the corruption in the union. It's like, no, you just you just drunk shit. Yeah. Um, so he has a job for a little while. So much so that they're actually he buys them bicycles for the, the first time in their life. They've owned their own bicycle, and the mom is just creating garbage art all day long, writing stories and plays and paintings of jars of apples or whatever the fuck it is she does. <laughs> and uh, and then this is the house where, because it's fucking Phoenix and it's the same temperature as the surface of the sun there, they can't, <laughs> and they don't have air conditioning because it's the 60s. They just leave all the windows open and the fucking doors at night. And they're like, that's fine. That's how nature likes things. They have four children. And often, they wake up with a fucking hobo in the house. And he's like, oh, oh I didn't know this house was taken. I'm sorry. And he leaves. That happens a bunch of times. And several times, they wake up with a bum in the bed. And he's like, hey, kid, want to see a magic trick or whatever? I'm going to make this penis disappear. you know?" And then... <laughs> And it's like, gross, perverts. And the, the dad's shit-faced drunk or he's not home and the mom is just dead to the world asleep. 
and the kids have to fight off rapey bums with like tennis rackets like it's home alone it's ridiculous <laughs> i was so angry this whole section of the book <laughs> it didn't it didn't seem like a normal thing to you <laughs> no you charge those bums to touch your kid <laughs> And that's kind of not even the saddest part of this section because when, when Jeanette, for her 10th birthday, asks her father, so like her father asks, what do you want for your 10th birthday? And she's like, well, I, is like, I don't think you can do it. I just, I don't think you can do it. And he's like, when have I ever let you down, kid? And then she goes, yeah, right. And she thinks like, oh, well, <laughs> let me not answer that question. But then she says, I want you to stop drinking. And he tries. He really, he like tie, he ties himself to a bed in tight, like locks himself in a room for days trying to get over the addiction. And uh, he does. Like he stays kind clean of for a few works. I really wanted to get a bottle of delirium tremens, yeah. tremens for this uh, part of the book. He does have the shaky hands afterwards. He's got the DTs. Which is great for an electrician. <laughs> well, he's at this point he's already lost his job. <laughs> yeah, so he, it doesn't matter. He's just sitting around. I thought another sad part in this put part of the book is sad you part mean here. Ev- every part, <laughs> a, a <laughs> highlight or a low light was when the daughter, the oldest daughter, gets glasses and she's they're going home. She's like, "Can you see the leaves on that tree?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's what <laughs> trees have." And, you know, and no, like, oh. but like all of them are like individuals. Like I could, she's, and and, the, and, the, and, then the and then the sister's, sister's like, "Oh," breaks down <laughs> crying because for the last like eight years of her life, she's seen the world through a fucking you know bottle of bottom of a coke bottle she also and realized that her mom's art sucks it, oh yeah <laughs> she, she's been, she probably knew that she's been seeing nothing of the world and 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 she's also the oldest kid so she's the most aware of how horrific their situation is that that part made me really upset to read when the daughter just starts crying and the rest of them are like weird hey you're gonna finish that margarine like they don't even <laughs> care they just move on because kids don't, they don't fucking know. They have no idea what's going yeah. on. So eventually, oh, another thing frustrating here is that the house is riddled with termites and cockroaches. Yeah. yeah. And their solution, the mom's like, no, we're not going to use poison because we're going to kill the termites with poison and the cockroaches and that'll poison us. This was the 60s where they had like legit, like fucking Agent Orange <laughs> shit for, <laughs> for your cockroaches. house. <laughs> Like you would, I remember uh, when I had I had to get a termite treatment for my house a few years ago, and the guy was like, "Oh, it ain't like the old days where we used to have whatever." And he rambled off some stream of letters and numbers, probably drinkable asbestos. Yeah, this is this is an <laughs> atomic asbestos. <laughs> like you just nuclear obliviate the house of of pests. They could have killed all that shit, and it was like 1969. It would be like eleven dollars, but like no, no, we have to learn to live with them. <laughs> And so they have cockroaches the size of toddlers crawling around their houses. And just every day, they just grab the nearest cast iron skillet and try to kill as many as they can. It's protein, and she says, And she said, you could hit, the, you could just swing at them without really aiming because you're bound to hit some. There were that many. And then the termites, they're literally just feet are falling through the floors of the house. And the dad's like, 
I know what I'll do. And he uses beer cans to patch it up. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, they were probably scared of all the... Uh, I'm doing it for my family. <laughs> they got to drink they knew more. That, you know, Need more beer if, cans. If you, if you spray the house down, they're going to have some mutant babies. Because they had described earlier in the book all the terrible things that happened to the kids when they were born. Like, the oldest girl was bald and mute until age three. And My brother was baby, like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> was he mute? He just didn't talk, but he, un- he, could, he would respond to when you spoke to him. Oh, He'd be well. like, hey, go do this, and he would do it. <laughs> and he would talk occasionally. He'd say a couple of words, but he just didn't want to talk. Was he bald? That, uh, he was. <laughs> until was three. Close to it, yeah. My brother was bald, and then all of a sudden he had like a weird mullet because it was the 80s. <laughs> but he, uh, <laughs> well, that was just the first kid. The second kid died at nine months in. Just died. Oh, yeah, yeah. The third kid, Jeanette, was the nurses said was the longest, longest, boniest baby they'd ever seen. The, because the mother was probably malnourished during pregnancy. Yeah, and the boy was, he had seizures constantly for the first year, and they just got over them. So, like, I don't know what the fuck these people were doing. Because the mother doesn't drink. She just has, like, tea. So it's not that. And she didn't really do drugs. They never really mentioned drugs for much of either of them. But it's like, what the fuck is happening to her insides? Maybe it's just because they don't eat and they... Stress? The, the mother doesn't seem that stressed usually, except for the, you know, breakdowns. Though she does claim to be pregnant for 14 months every time. It's just probably a way to keep the husband off of her. <laughs> I, I don't know if that would keep him off of her. Well, they also have, there's a one one part I forget if they're in Phoenix or yeah they're in Phoenix at one point the fa- when the father falls off the wagon and he comes home he's like where's that fucking whore wife and he's like oh, the yeah. mom's hiding in a bathtub <laughs> and the kids are like she's gone she's she's dead I don't know what they say but she, <laughs> and like, she oh. and she tells them don't clean up after him after his rages because if they don't see the things they've done when they woke up they'll never learn. He doesn't yeah. learn anyway. You know what? That's not as terrible an idea as it sounds. As it's it's not for regular people. So I've known some addicts of various things, and if you if they wake up from whatever it is they're doing, and then like everything seems normal, there isn't there is like a logic. I don't know how successful it, it is. It makes total sense. But she's like fifteen years in on this dude. She's got to realize oh, yeah. it's not working. <laughs> Well, yeah, she also should realize that her fucking art isn't selling. Well, what she point? is an idiot. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, she is. Uh, so they have a fight where they both pull kitchen knives on each other. Yep. That's and then he's do. like, I'm going to gut you, bitch, or whatever he says. I don't know what else. But they, <laughs> and the kids are like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Five dollars on dad. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> they don't have five dollars. Five, yeah, exactly. They don't have five dollars between That's, them. That's the cost of the house. <laughs> they uh, they fight, and then he's like, "She's like, you're an old drunk piece of shit," and he's like, "You love this drunk, don't you?" And she's like, "You got me." And then they just like make out on the floor, <laughs> just like, it's fucking ridiculous. What? And the kids are like, "Oh, just one of those nights, I guess." And then they go to bed in their cardboard boxes they sleep in, or something, which is I think that was in Battle Mountain, but. It's just, uh, it's just yeah, bonkers. At some point, they had they had cardboard boxes. By this point, they were getting a little big for the boxes, they said. So they eventually have to leave Phoenix, and I forget exactly why. They, they just have run to out leave. of fucking money. Oh, their car breaks. Their car breaks down. The dad is clean for a while, and he's like, we're going to go camping in the Grand Canyon or something. 
And then he and they're driving a car that would make a jalopy look like a fucking Rolls Royce. And they and he's like, I'm gonna push this, put the pedal to the metal, and it hits like 90 miles per hour, and then the car just falls apart like, <laughs> like in a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. You know, like just like the way everything they're just sitting there in a chassis and they have to walk, and he's like, Well, it's only 80 miles back home. Let's start walking. Make it in three days. We can make it. And My kids are tough. Because when the people who literally drive by and like, can we give you a ride? He's like, no, my kids are tough. They can do it. And they're still like, you know, 10 years old. And the daughter says, well, they passed by a motel, which was about a minute before the car crashed, but they'd been walking for like a day because <laughs> he was flooring it. <laughs> and some nice old lady picks them up and takes them back. And uh, she says, oh, I felt so bad. My daughter saw you walking, and she said, oh, there's this family. So those poor kids, that poor family. And they're like, we're not fucking poor. And she's like, oh, I didn't mean that. And like, yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All signs point to yes. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And so then without their fucking hoopty and a nickel, they're like, all right, we've hit real rock bottom we need to go to west virginia (laughs) the only place worse take us in west virginia and so they take a month to get to west virginia driving their car only goes 15 miles an hour (laughs) their car just for perspective their car goes as fast as a kenyan running (laughs) (laughs) can i I also say with that with that joke about the okies that in the Grapes of Wrath, which was decades before this, their cars went faster than 15 miles an hour. I mean, they didn't go that much faster, but like really. And they didn't have fucking highways then. <laughs> no. <laughs> like dirt roads. They really did out Okie the Okies. And so they get to West Virginia and they get to the Welch, which, where which is where from. Steve Harvey is from. I, I don't want to ask if that's true because I think you're I full looked of shit. Up, I looked up Welch on Wikipedia. I was like, people from Welch. And I was like, Steve Harvey and this lady spent some time here. And the guy who invented grape juice. <laughs> yes. Grape jelly. Um, <laughs> grape products. All grape products are from Welch. Because everyone knows that coal mine mountains that get no sun are the best place to grow grapes. Well, I think that's, you know, for like wine, they say if the, the soil is shittier, the, the grapes are better. That's a real but, wine person. But not the general air not and in, well-being of everyone around them. Not but in it has coal that, slag. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's what you would grow. That anthracite in. makes the grapes really juicy. Chalky. It's like a dry gusher. Steve Harvey's the one that made it out. And, and the rest of it. Holy shit, does it suck. And at the, at the children, this... like, literally cannot understand their grandparents because their accents are so thick. <laughs> when they go to the, uh, the, the principal of the school, and the mom sings this whole long story about, oh, we had to leave, we don't have birth records, but my kids are so smart. And he's like, and then I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, pardon? And she's like, He's asking you how to multiply eight by six. And they're like, oh, it's 56, sir. And she's like, no, no, he doesn't understand you either. <laughs> so they get put in sped class. They get yeah. put in the special ed class like, for slow learners. And the teach, so throughout the book, all the teachers are terrible. 
which is probably true of the 1960s. If any story I've ever heard from an adult in my life is true, the teachers were just impatient and they beat the shit out of you if you weren't smart. Well, they mentioned that a lot of teachers that they had gotten in the schools there hadn't finished high school themselves. Yeah, on the Welch, I mean... Because they, the, they literally couldn't get any teachers. Because who was around the with a college degree to actually... Who would stay there? So, yeah, their their teachers were really bad. And then, But the teacher says, you know, some people... Th- the first day of school, when the kids show up, she's like, some people think they're better than the rules, and they don't have to do what the rules say. Like, they don't need to have birth certificates. What do you think about that, new kids? Like... What? <laughs> They're also shit talking them because they came from somewhere else, even though they were objectively poorer than everyone, even in Welch, West Virginia. Where they're like, "Look at these California people. You're from Phoenix." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phoenix was like eleven E. Basically, it's basically like being from Paris. Highfalutin Phoenix folk, huh? So uh, the other kids like beat up Jeanette because she's. Special, he I knew. guess, because she's new. Yeah. It's the three. It's the three black girls, and the girl's name is like Denisha. Denisha, yeah. I'm glad you said it because I wasn't sure. I was gonna. Is it Denitia? That doesn't sound right. <clears throat> I'm gonna it sounds guess like an Indian Denisha. name. <laughs> but she eventually wins her trust by getting a dog to stop harassing a poor black kid, and so her friends become just the black girls because none of the white girls like her. Because she's poor and new, and her, they her now jacket they don't had like her. no buttons on it. <laughs> no buttons. <laughs> I like and that. She part only had like, like three dresses that she wore every day, and they never bathed. They got to bathe. I, I remember it was four inches of water that was heated up on the stove <laughs> for all of them. For all four children. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inch each. Jesus Christ! That is horrific. <laughs> Uh, but that's not Ramunda. But that's actually not the most terrific thing that happens here, which is that the grandmother is molesting her brother. Yeah, she molests. She molests Jeanette's brother. Jeanette's brother. Jeanette's yeah, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, not her own brother. No, okay, In that, West maybe Virginia, that, too. that could be the same thing. <laughs> that was her husband, actually. Uh, it's, not, it's not molesting if you're married, but. That the brother, the she's like, your pants are ripped. And he's like, okay, I'll take them off. She's like, no, no, it's easy if you just keep them on. It's a quick hand job. I like I to mean, watch. Job work. <laughs> <laughs> and then the way it's phrased is, she was kneading <laughs> in the front of his pants. She's like, are you making like a sourdough out of that dirty child's cock? <laughs> she's kneading it. Yeah. And constantly uh, shitting on Jeanette mm. for spending her time in. African-American personville. African-American personville, yeah. Because you don't want to be known as an African-American person lover. Yeah, that would, you know, that would be bad. And it was bad in this town. <laughs> well, at one point, she's like, oh, I'm, going, I'm walking over here. I'm walking to see my friend and the uncle who is, like, too dumb to drive a car. And to he, have teeth. Or, yeah. <laughs> who needs those? They just get in the way of your moonshine. Uh, he was like, oh, I'll give you a ride. Where are you going? She's like, I'm going so-and-so's place. He's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't want my friends to know you're going there because, you know, we need to make sure we feel better than those African-American people <laughs> so we don't want to associate with them. 
Is uh, do they move into the house before the or after also, the uncle starts trying after. to feel her up in the shower? Yeah, that was after. And by shower, I mean pot of water they pour. Also, the grand uh, before you, the when they when the grandma is trying to give a hand job to the eight year old boy or whatever, the oldest sister steps up and she grabs the grandma who is like a morbidly obese job of the hut <laughs> West Virginian. It's basically the hills have eyes, but they all have all their eyes. But, or or can I just say it's the grandma is a hill that <laughs> has eyes and no teeth. And she's like, let's just all calm down. And then the grandma smacks her. And then they just get into a crazy slapping fight. Is it, at, the, at this point, the mom and dad have already left town to go back and get their stuff in Phoenix, and they end up not really being able to get any of it. They get nothing. But they're gone for like a month again. <laughs> they go, and, and they're gone, and the kids ask them, do you think they're coming back? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. And they chase the parents out of town until the parents hit the highway, and they're like, fuck off, kids. See you eventually. And then they get into this fight with the with the hand jobs and the granny and the smack fight. And then the grandma's like, that's it. You can only stay in the basement of my dilapidated shack house, which, by the way, they had a second floor. But because of termites, no one had been on the second floor in a decade because <laughs> they were afraid they'd fall through the floor. And by basement, it's really just like some wood in the mud hill and like a door. And she won't give them coal even though that's the whole purpose that they're fucking there in West Virginia. She won't <laughs> yeah. give them coal to heat the basement. So, so they all huddle under one blanket. Or, or one they go out and they like search for coal that had like fallen like off of people's like, was coal exactly carts. In fucking Angela's that, Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's precisely it's what like, happens. How, how often does this happen? And then in Angela's Apparently Ashes, which is of course... <laughs> Ireland in the 1930s, people in Ireland are like, holy shit, oh my God. <laughs> and But West Virginia <laughs> in the 60s, still happening. And probably the 90s and now, yeah. <laughs> Quite. Okay, guys, we're, we're taking way too long to like get through this. Right, but there's just so many crazy it. things. So um, after a while, so okay, th- another crazy thing is finally the kids kind of get a little bit older and then Jeanette is like much more aware of what's going on and then she tells her mother to leave her father so they can at least get welfare because the father's like i'm not taking any of that government money but the mother won't said it makes you weak yeah uh but they they eventually jeanette like has this plan where she's like now that she's in high school her her older sister is gonna finish high school and jeanette's in high school they're like we're gonna move to new york city so we can like go to college and stuff and they work for like a year to save up money so that they can like actually the kids can go move to New York City and the dad steals the money. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He had a plan, I'm sure. And then said. and they also find the mom a is, diamond ring on the property and instead of selling it to like you could buy a new house with this ring, mom's like, "No, I'm going to keep the ring because self-esteem is more important than food sometimes." I'm like that's not even the most crazy thing so uh the mom also had was a teacher at, at, again at this point so they could have some money even though the father's just like taking all the money and spending it on alcohol uh she goes to and a don't forget horse and horse probably she the mother goes to a teaching seminar teacher course teacher college kind of thing renewal thing and, and then comes home and says you know what 
I quit teaching. I'm just going to focus on my art. And at this point, Ugh. it's literally like the kids are like, okay, well, we're, I'm going to go do some babysitting so that we can have some money coming in. <clears throat> Somehow managed to get the sister moving in, moved to New York City, and then Jeanette also moves to New York City and like finishes a year of high school there so that she can go to college. And the, the high school, the West Virginia high school guidance counselor is like, go away to college. Why, why would you, you do that? Ever leave this why would you want, place? Why would you want to leave West Virginia? You don't like salt. And then eventually, so she starts to goes goes to New York. Actually, gets a college scholarship, I guess, because I don't know how she hell she because paid. she has no money ever. Yeah, but college was also <laughs> negative money cheaper at this time. Yeah. So much cheaper that you could actually Seriously. go to a good college for a practically few nothing. A year. A few hundred a year. Yeah. Well, they mentioned like her final what? year is like it was like two thousand dollars of tuition that she had to pay, and that was she was going to Barnard, so it was cheaper than now by a little, like what a do you tenth. Think her parents' credit score was. They, I'm sure, Purple. were one of the entirely unbanked people who they do not have a credit score. They probably no. don't even have an entry in any of the credit scoring agencies' things. Well, I don't know how it worked 50 years ago, but the parents, would, they figured out a scheme at one point. Oh, wait. They would, yeah, that's right. They would, they would deposit <laughs> someone's paycheck at the bank, and then they, both parents would go. Like One would go to the teller, and one would go through like the drive-thru the drive ATM. They'd and both they'd both take money out at the same time. Because <laughs> it was 1970, it didn't happen instantly. And All they the beep boops had to get to the outside. <laughs> That's how computers work, right? It just reminds me of this joke I heard where a guy said, oh, I went into a place, and said, oh, a free credit score test. And I went in there like, oh, you got 100. Man, I didn't even study. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, 100's terrible. That's the worst score we've ever seen. You're going to have to pay $50 for the test, though. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to pay that. You should have known that when you saw my results. <laughs> 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 but like, they, they clearly ran that scam on every bank in town. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, that's what the story is. And in Welch, that's a guy the bank. <laughs> a guy with the most chickens. So they're all living in New York slowly. <laughs> and then eventually the young, the Brian moves to New York also because uh, everything sucks there. And he does the last year or two of high school. And they, you know, find their own way in the world. And Jeanette gets uh, editing or journalism job because she loves journalism, which she joined in high school because it was the only thing that you didn't have to like buy a uniform or equipment for because she couldn't afford to do that, which worked out good for her. Uh, and everybody's doing pretty okay. And then, you know, of course the parents say, we're going to come. But this is years later. And so the parents are living it up, homeless mostly, sometimes squatting. And Jeanette by this time is doing pretty good. She got herself a nice man and a real job. And she's living on Park Avenue, and her parents are dumpster diving. And so this is actually the house. opening scene of the book when the older, yes. you know, successful, you know, newspaper uh, journalist is, you know, sees her mom on the street panhandling the very or beginning dumpster, of the book dumpster diving. Yeah, this is this is the opening thing before you know anything else, and it's like. What, what do I, and she was like, I was ashamed. I couldn't tell anyone. I didn't even, I saw her and I walked the other, I saw my mom digging through the dumpster the and I walked, the, I ducked the other way. Exactly. I couldn't. She told the cab to take me home. Yeah. I don't want to. Not to country roads though. 
West Virginia <laughs> was actually part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at the, the, the very end, so Jeanette gets a very successful job, marries some guy who clearly has a lot of money. And then one of the very uh, so, sort of second to last thing is no, no. La- okay, second to last thing is the father after after years of living in New York and with the mother and father literally squatting in abandoned buildings. They can somehow through the other squatters convince the city to just like let them stay there. Okay, you own this abandoned building now. Great, sell your apartment for a to a dollar each. Yeah. Like, all right, fine. And the city lets them stay there, but then the father dies. He gets some... Um, it doesn't say what... He gets what tuberculosis, he gets sober and gets better, and then he moves upstate to get a, with a job someone has gotten him, but the mom makes him move back and he starts drinking again. And then he dies because he's been drinking two quarts of liquor a day and smoking four packs of cigarettes, so he just dies. Yeah. But then at the very end, the mom is, yeah. oh... That's bad for you? I need, like, oh... Yes. You know, my my brother, I need to, like, my brother just passed away, but I want to purchase the property that he inherited from from our, our parents. It's like, well, how much do you need? So I own this property, but I want to keep the other half in the family. How much is it? A million dollars. It's like, wait, mom, you are owned this whole time a million dollars worth of property? And she's like, yeah, but I, you know, I want to, uh, I guess I want to keep it in the family. Her family, her parents always said, you know, always never sell land. And it's like you could, you had a million fucking dollars this entire a million dollars in the seven children starved. Your you you got groped by winos. She still wears the ring by grandparents. She's still wearing the ring she found in the dirt. (laughs) Fucking holy cock! And she's very disappointed when Jeanette won't borrow it from her uh, boyfriend husband at that point. Uh, yeah, man. Borrow, borrow what? It's like, can, money? can can your can your husband just like loan me a million dollars? It's like, uh, no, mom. Dot to you. Also, uh, much neglected in the story, Maureen, the youngest child, who's barely really in it. Uh, she gets into a fight with her. She starts. Get, she was always like the hot kid, like you know, the young pretty girl who was like got along well with and like hung out with all the other families in West Virginia. Moves to New York eventually and just, you know, doesn't do as well and stabs their mom uh, and goes to jail. And then she gets out of jail and moves to California and they don't see her very much ever again almost. Except, you know, in the epilogue where they say, oh, she's going to come back and visit. I guess the ending is just that it's not really an ending because she just, you know, is writing a book about her life and she's not dead. So it's not over. But she's got a new husband. And they have a nice place upstate or outside the city, and they got a nice thing, and they're all hanging out. And her brother is a is a cop now, and everyone's happy. And her mother is still a fucking homeless lady, but she's living it up, being basically like a homeless version of who the fuck is the uh, Miss Frizzle kind of <laughs> the magic school bus lady, yeah, just like this on her on her own magical journey where she can only see these things happening, and yeah. And that's the end of this story. And it was it was a it was a journey, a journey. It was. So we picked this. The, uh, well, the patrons picked this book because we wrote the poll was books about fucked up families, and this one won. And uh, yeah, that's what it was about. I had read this four four or five years ago. Uh, I don't remember any of it. I mean, it was the de- the details don't matter as much as the gist, yeah, right? I mean, we we told we we joked our way through it, but reading it, just sitting on your own reading it, is it's fucking harrowing. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's not it's not that pleasant. <laughs> it is a relentless onslaught of despair. And I guess the title, we didn't mention the title. Is, we should talk about that, yeah. Uh, the dads always talk about how he's going to, he's a, you know, a fake engineer by trade. He's going to build them this magic house that he's always talking about out of glass and electric solar cells for power. They call it the glass castle. And it's like, oh, I found a way to build it. It's like, okay, cool. Let's look at the designs. It's like, oh, here we're going to do this. And then, you know, for decades, like, oh, yeah, I'm still working on the designs and how to build it. And, you know, it's basically just, I guess, a metaphor for how everything is never going to work out and life is just despair and suffering. Well, I thought there's a <laughs> passage when they get to Wel- the Welch and they, after the grandma kicks them out, they get their own houses, like the little house on a, a little Hobart Street or something like that, where like yeah. there's a giant rat that eats their sugar. <laughs> this, this a rat the size of a fucking a badger. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at one point, the kids are like, you know what? Let's help dad get started on this glass castle. And they start digging the foundation. And they're like, well, you don't know how big to make it or how square would shit. We'll just dig a hole. And, and because spend the weeks parents, digging this hole. And the parents are so poor or really so well, in, also so bad with money that they have not been paying the like county tax collector, uh, trash collector fee, rather, that they, they eventually does like, we'll just dump all of our trash in that hole you dug. And like, but that's the foundation for the glass castle. Like, it's temporary. Don't worry. I have a plan, which is dad code in this book for I have no plan. And then they <laughs> dump, he dump all the trash in there. Mm-hmm. And then later they have to enlarge it for more trash, <laughs> which I thought really was symbolic of the whole book. Like, the dad has been spewing literal garbage the whole time. He's saying... His his promises are trash. He is a fucking incompetent and incapable person. And then the kids have to basically dig the hole for dad's trash. Very yeah. There we go. Exactly. It's hard. It's, it's weird because it's like a memoir. So these things really did happen. So like there is some symbolism in it. But then you realize like oh shit, this has really happened, and you can like read into it. If it was like a fiction book, you're like ah, I see the symbolism. But it works out either way. It's just fucking. It's fucking so bizarre that it just. Was literally, literally a metaphor. Is that right? <laughs> Symbolically real, but uh-huh. the um, I mean, this suffers. The book suffers from the same thing any memoir does. Where you're like, wow, it's amazing. You remember that conversation word for word from 1969. Mm. You know, and you wow, everything you said when you were three. Who'd have thought <laughs> you made yourself sound really snarky or pithy or whatever? You know, the, the, mm-hmm. you know it, it's a novel. Uh, excuse me, it's a memoir, but we have to, you know, there's a there's a bit of license taken with a lot of the scenes, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Though, I mean, I'll say, like, Angel's Ashes gets criticism for, like, romanticizing being poor. I didn't get that from this one. Though, though for, like, a lot of the book, they were she, wasn't, she wasn't criticizing her parents. Like, they were like, yeah, they did this weird thing, but they were still good at this. You know, it took a long time for the kids to realize. Yeah. Eventually, they do. Even Which by the end, be, you know, when her dad dies, she's just like, yeah, they, she, you know, they, she's not angry at him. None of them really are, except maybe Maureen, who stabs their mom. But the others are just like, yeah, you know, that's, that's who they are. It is what it is. We got out, but can't change them. And, you know, I don't know if they don't, I don't know if they don't blame them, but they're, they haven't like cut them out and like swore them off or anything. So it's weird. Those, those are some forgiving children. I guess just, you know, people are complicated. I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> but man, holy shit, were these parents awful. So 
I gotta say, I, I felt my found myself thinking about the book, things that I realized that's kind of a sexist thought. And I so the dad, horrific alcoholic. Hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's that happens all the time, it seems. And then the mom just made excuses for him. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, woman? Like, those are your children. Why aren't you taking care of them? And I realized that was kind of unfair to say it's her fault. It's her job to fix it that her husband is a total dysfunctional, useless partner. I mean, she was also just completely incompetent. Um, Not that, you know, dealing with that situation is easy at all. And, like, what do you do? But... But man, yeah, she, she, been really, she was just as bad. Was she even trying? I guess she was trying a little bit. Like she was trying to sometimes when she got paid, she was trying to hide the money from from the father. But but she also hid it from the kids. And like when they were hiding it, like it would still largely just disappear into bullshit. And she, they found her like eating a candy bar under a blanket so they wouldn't see her eating it. Like she was she was just as shitty and just in different ways. Yeah. Like the dad was a drunk, but he didn't he didn't like smack him around a lot. He wasn't like that kind of drunk. So they were both just shit. They were both just bad people. And, you know, but you still end up kind of being like sad when he dies. And I was like, oh, you know, they still liked him. And he still was like a charismatic, witty dude. He was just it's a shit bag. Dad, you know, yeah. it's still her dad. I mean, there there are people who their parents are downright abusive. And these ones are pretty close, if not. Certainly, in that camp. That's well, still maybe not intentionally, exactly, but abusive in the like neglect sense. Just mm. so yeah. neglectful. Though they did, they were all you know above average when it came to school stuff, and they didn't get that from school. Yeah, but they sat around all day and they just read the books they had around. And well, the they talked about that. Her dad would have guy. like um, the dad would make them argue points and like learn how to you know, think things through and how to have, you know, debate and like how to express yourself and shit like that. Like he was, you know, it was kind of a, you know, it was not a traditional learning environment by any means, but they did okay. It was it ideal. Absolutely not. But it could have been worse. And that's saying something considering how bad it was. I don't know. I mean, it just, it, I guess it didn't romanticize it, but it didn't, it didn't it didn't read like she was bitter at all. No, I was surprised by that. Because that's like, that's like the thing people do, right? They're like, oh, how terrible was my childhood? She kind of was pretty even-handed about it, I thought. Oh, yeah. like, she's oh, a, she's a terrible. journalist. She she was a gossip column journalist. Yeah, or still is maybe. I don't even know. Oh, now she's very wealthy. She doesn't have to do shit. But she 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 did a gossip column. And then she wrote this book, and people were like, oh, my God, that was just tremendously bad. (laughs) (laughs) My God, it's impressive how terrible. And you lived? And you're literate? I I, I enjoyed the book. I did. I I liked it. I just thought um, I was was angrier reading this, maybe because I'm a parent, but I was just so angry at her parents, the whole book. Like, what the fuck? They're just making excuses for their bad decisions over and over again. Like, no, we can't lock the doors against homeless vagrants who want to (laughs) rape children. It's hot. (laughs) Like, they would just, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if you've ever been to Phoenix. It's so hot. (laughs) 
I'm sure it is. <laughs> Although not at night, really. So I don't know. Those or, some nights. I've never been in the summer. Just in the winter when it was so hot. It's it's uh, that just her parents just made excuses for things like they wanted to. Be, I feel like the parents wanted to be like, oh, we're very principled people. You know, we're going, we're doing things our own way. We don't need to play by the rules of society. Yet they fucking accomplished nothing. Like, oh no, you don't need to just you know, have a job and have a house and a mortgage. We're going to do things free and, you know, fancy free, whatever the fuck it is. And then they were just terrible at everything. <laughs> like everything they did felt to shit almost instantly. Yeah, you, you have so, to, I mean, uh, what I was thinking the whole time was like, how can people be this bad at it, at life? you could say at just uh, just everything you know and it's like how could it how could it have come to this well i mean that's what i was thinking they were excellent rationalizers yeah that's what it was they were excellent it's like no no (laughs) it's not bad because this is great we don't have to live by their rules in phoenix you know that everything was explaining their shitty decisions with some half-cocked philosophy that's what they did the whole time like oh no no we 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 we're doing things better. We have a better picture, a better vision of how a family should work. How whatever they just rationalize their decisions the whole time, and they're and they're talking to children, children who in instinctively they, believe adults. Yeah, though they both, they all kind of know their parents are full of shit pretty early on. And like what eventually is it, what yeah. does it take for a thirteen year old to say, "Mom, you need to leave Dad." You know that that's. It's pretty young. There is a significant portion of America that, and the world, even so, that lives in this level of poverty. Well, at one point, the mom says, when the kids are like, we're living in a shitty shack with no plumbing in West Virginia. And she's like, there are Ethiopians who would kill to live here. And you're like, well, I guess it's yeah. probably true. But and they do better, like the kids at least. The parents are not doing better, but the kids all make it to do other things despite this. And pretty much everyone that lives in West Virginia that, that they grew up with does not. Denisha goes to jail for stabbing her mom's boyfriend because he was raping her. Uh, all the other kids, all the, all the other, like their guidance counselor was just talking about like, you know, why would you want to go to New York? You know, and you're going to miss your senior year here. You know, everyone here says that your senior year of high school is the best year of your life. Hmm. And those people just never do anything. Not that you have to like go out and like get rich and make it, but they just kind of subsist in this small town. And when, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a fucking snob about small towns; they're fine. But this, like the the people on their street were not just as poor, but almost just as poor. Like the dads. I mean, everybody family, else in the town had it rough too. Yeah, it was. It's a it's a rough fucking the, state. The rich families had a shed for their coal. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they say. Oh my! The wealthy families had a coal shed. The poor families just had shed in a pile, uh, coal in a pile. And this family didn't have coal. That's the level of affluence in this part of West Virginia. And it could be, it, you know, maybe it is justification after the fact, but like the fact that these kids had to basically raise themselves, or maybe what gave them the strength to get the fuck out. But that's like the one in a million thing, you know? Like Yeah, the other million don't. 
Well, we were saying, like Nate, Nate was saying before, you know, like kids can be more responsible if you force them to be. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, it's not actually probably good for them. And that's something that doesn't really get explored in this book. Like, she's got to be fucked up from this childhood. Probably. Somehow. Yeah. She can't be a well, I mean, maybe she is. I, I hope she is. But for her to be a well adjusted, functioning adult after that childhood, that she describes she can in this book. She's therapy now. I guess so. Well, yeah, she certainly can. <laughs> it came out 15 years ago. She's, hopefully, she's gotten what she needs. I mean, she wrote the book when she was in her 40s, you know? So, and she's 60 years old, you know? That's no spring chicken. So, she's, she's had some time to process this. It's fun. I know. It's, oh man, thanks for picking this one, guys. It was shorter than a tree grows in Brooklyn, at least. I actually, I, I fucking, I love this book. It is a brutal, relentless nightmare, but it is... It's fascinating. It's incredible. It's fun read. I definitely, I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, it's, it's, you could laugh if you weren't so horrified. It's easy to go either way on that. There are funny parts. Yeah, you know, that, definitely. There, it is, there's, there's it's humor like in it. comically, comically poor and inept. I just think her parents are the villains of this book. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. They they're they made decisions. Now some decisions like I'm not gonna I'm not one of those people who's like addiction is just a weakness of will, but they made decisions that were so selfish and oh, yeah. so short sighted. They're both incredibly selfish. That they really hurt their children and jeopardized and they're like Children don't need supervision. Children, I mean, we live in an age today where children are over-supervised. But they were, kids were like, let's go wander around in the deserts of Nevada for fun. <laughs> That's cool. And the parents like, just be home before dark. Like, they were outrageously inept parents. I, 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 just, I just was so angry throughout most of the book. Anytime the parents were doing shit and trying to explain themselves. Because children... Young children will believe what their parents say. We're like fucking programmed to do that. And these parents took advantage, and I don't understand for what. What did they accomplish by doing it? I can't... Got through the next five minutes. Did they enjoy their lives? Did they think that was was success? There was one thing in there. I wrote this one down. Was when she, uh, she once said to her mom, just like, like, what the fuck are we doing? And she wrote, I wrote it, said, um, she said, I'd broken one of our unspoken rules. We were always supposed to pretend our life was one long and incredibly fun adventure. Right. So I remember that quote. It was just, it was after she ate the margarine when there was no food and her mom couldn't make the bread. Theoretically. That she couldn't have made it. No, she couldn't have made the bread. Hypothetical <laughs> bread. Good band name. Uh, they, <laughs> or racehorse. They... <laughs> The parents were just selfish cunts who had a bunch of kids. And they were like, those kids will be fine. We're going to go on our own adventures, and those kids will be there, and sometimes we'll pay attention to them. Yeah. Fuck those people. That was terrible of them. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I can't be angry enough. Who should read this book? It's a fun read. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's Fun's a bad word. It's an enjoyable read. <laughs> It's not fun. It's despairing. It's an enjoyable read. Yeah. I, I think, Nate, I think everyone I'm sorry, I cut you off. Another, uh, so another book that's actually very similar to this is 
because it's in the same genre. It's called Educated by Tara Westover, which I read in the past year or so. Uh, I, th- I, w- I kept reminding me of this book, or that this book kept reminding me of that. And there, there are a lot of similarities, but, you know, it is kind of a different thing. That is not about poverty so much as, as it is fundamentalist Mormonism and mental illness. But oh, also, my favorite thing. <laughs> it's like everything that happens in it is like, holy shit, crazy. But it was just still fascinating. And it also gives you a sense of like, oh, thank God that I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, like this, that this too. And but that, anyway, it, this it, and that are like kind of like you should read it because th- these things happen. You know, right as here. I said in as I said in the previous episodes, like you know, you read it and you're like, oh my God, life could get so much worse. And I, I think I think this is the comment I made when we read Beloved. It was like, holy shit, life could be <laughs> so much worse. You know, West with Virginia coronavirus like going on and everything, but oh my god! Yeah, if they had the pandemic, these kids would all be dead, or they'd be immortal. Oh, the black lung. <laughs> no, I think I think there is an element of that. People people look at these kind of stories as a as a way of like, oh, there but for the grace of God go I, and thank goodness it's you know that I think people feel that. Well, I, I don't think that's the only I reason mean, they it, read them, but it's but also, yeah, it's like, well. wow, okay, I thought I had it rough. That is, you know, definitely one thought. But it's also like, well, how do you really, like, how do you teach somebody empathy? Or how do you, you know, how do you, essentially, what you get from these books is there's always somebody worse off from you. And by really, like, living their story, you know, through the words, through, through like, sort of, like, what their thoughts in their head, you you get a sense, you, you start to really understand other people in a worse situation in a way that, you know, you can't even really get from a movie. And I hear there is a movie of this, though I have not seen it. I have no interest in seeing it. I haven't seen it. I I don't think people thought it was that great. I don't know why, but uh, it's not important. The book is better because so much of it is like inner monologue and explanations and it's just not... eh. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, oh, you can also see pictures of like a dirty kid be like, yeah, they're dirty, you know. Hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a movie with uh, Cheese Larson. Cheese and, Larson. Uh, yeah. Cheese Larson was it? And Woody Harrelson and Naomi Watts. She was the mom. She was the mom. If my mom was that hot, I'd let her neglect me. In this book, <laughs> I was imagining the mom pretty much. Even though at the end she's like, "I'm 38," like, "Fuck, that's so much younger than I thought she was going to be." Uh, but I imagined her as um, who's the the. Uh, in in my head, she was uh, Professor Trelawney, and like that, like the the weird without the glasses, but like that level of like frizz and just madness and chaos. For a kid born in 1960, having a parent that's um, you know 19, that's not actually that crazy. It wasn't that crazy. That's pretty standard, actually, in 1960. Yep. That's still pretty normal in a lot of America. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in West so, Virginia. Now that John Denver's gone, but. Um, <laughs> Well, now that John Denver is gone, not everyone just get, can be pregnant whenever he just walks by. It's a lot less kids. Most of his seed was his seed left on a jet plane. <laughs> Somewhere high in the Rocky Mountain. Oh, fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, hey, we're getting to the end of this episode. So the country, country roads take us home. Um, who should read it? Honestly, if you like memoirs, read this book. It's a great read. It's, you will feel bad. If you don't have bad <laughs> feelings, then you're a sociopath. 
I think everyone should read this. I think it's a great, it's short, it's readable, it's well-written. Um, it's relentless. It, it, is, it, is, it is the Appalachian Angela's Ashes. There is, is never a dull moment. Yeah. It, it, I, think it, I think it does kind of romanticize the poverty-stricken childhood, actually, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's possible to not in this kind of a format. Yeah. Like you're you gonna, can't oh, just write, it, we were sad every other sentence. Yeah, it's going to end up you know, being a little artsy sounding for something that was so terrible. But it it's a great read. So if you if you're into that kind of thing, then you should read it, I think. That's my vote at least. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, why don't leave us a review? Just uh, for each lump of coal you can find along the side of the road... As long as it's five. Wait, just don't wait till your your family has to run out of town from the bill collectors. <laughs> or the police from when you shot a kid. Had a kid. He had a, We're not judging you it. for that. And uh, if you're into the Patreon thing, because you have more money than this family did, head on over there and you give some of it to us. If We're you not have as anything at all, it's more than them. <laughs> if you are and in debt, you have more than them. <laughs> they have some sort of negative negative money <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, like a, a black hole quantum. you can't get out of it quantum debt <laughs> oh that's a good band name uh, so they, <laughs> that's the band name for a bunch of accountants <laughs> and check uh, out the hopped up network a network of independent <laughs> beer podcasters and thanks for listening <laughs>